You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, good morning. My name is Ken. I graduated from college a long, long time ago, and I'm not going anywhere. So you're going to have me for a long time. I really appreciate Justin worrying about money. Uh, one of you knows that the cost of the college education has gone up and up and up, and his parents are feeling the burden that he felt for the campaign finance today. So he's got four years left to go. But I want to welcome everyone uh, here this morning. Uh, we are a church that is around the world, so I do know that we have some uh, sister churches, members from these uh, different churches that are visiting uh, with us today. And uh, I want to welcome uh, Chantel uh, one of our sisters who's a graduate student at the uh, UCLA Law School, and her mother and her sister are here today with us. And I'd like us to welcome Priscilla uh, and uh, Chantel's sister, Faith. Let me get them to stand on up. They're from the church in New York City, and we want to welcome you. And uh, they're going to be here for another three days, so please... Uh, uh, encourage them, and it's great to have you uh, with us. If you're visiting uh, for the first time, or if you've been coming to our service uh, since as well, welcome. We, you know, we're just uh, great, to, grateful to worship together, and it's great to have you uh, here today. Let's. Uh, I'd like to start us off with a word of prayer, and then I will jump right into the service. Father, we're so grateful that uh, you give us your word. Uh, God, uh, it's so thankful that we can. Read your Bible, encourage one another, uh, get together, and uh, just to really be able to see what your thoughts are revealed in the Word, uh, in the Bible. Father, help us to be open-hearted today to what you have to say, and uh, God, help us to really get on track in terms of wanting to know you and uh, wanting to follow your ways. God bless us, God. I know one of the songs we sang today was, we welcome the Holy Spirit. Uh, God, uh, use the Holy Spirit in a great way to fill our hearts and fill this room and uh, give us really great faith uh, in the words that you're going to present today and that we can really uh, go to a new place that uh, Justin talked about as well. Father, we do pray for Justin that uh, he gets good grades and that uh, he can really enjoy his college days uh, ahead. Uh, Thanks so much again for all the people that are going in and out of our ministry. God, I pray that when they do uh, spend time here, that it is a place where they can grow in their faith as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, our August, it's a little late, but we have our August uh, Westside um, Bulletin out. And if you get a chance to look at it, uh, it's some great uh, things going on. And I really want to thank God also for the baptisms that we've had. uh, Even uh, today, Rachel getting baptized later. And then also with uh, the restoration of Singleton and Kim last week. I heard that they had a great big party uh, last week. So it was great to celebrate uh, their coming back. Uh, restore back into the church as well. In this particular bulletin, uh, and it's going to springboard into our talk today, uh, we're going to be talking out of the book of Numbers. Okay, It's been a while since a lot of us have probably read that book, but we're going to hit it just a little bit. But uh, if you open up your bulletin, inside there's a spread on our finances. And uh, without you know getting into all of it, uh, I just want to sum it up. I think we're doing pretty good. Okay, so, okay, let's close it back up and we'll, you can take a look at it later. So we're in the black. Uh, part of that is that uh, uh, Lena and I uh, came here about two years ago 
and uh, you know we've been running our ministry. Um, you know, pretty pretty much we were waiting for just the right couples uh, to hire, and uh, we're super grateful to have the Centennials taking care of our campus ministry, and then uh, also the Spats coming in from San Diego. We feel like this is a great team, but we had to wait a while to do that. So because of that, uh, we had some extra surplus. Uh, that um, we accrued uh, because of that. So that's good news. Amen? So let's, yeah, let's, let's get our applause. And because of that, we were able to get new equipment and stuff like that. And although it hasn't functioned the way that we want it to be uh, recently, but I think we're working out the kinks. Amen? Bottom line is we have a pretty good uh, reserve coming on up uh, here. And uh, our expenses were lower than what we uh Budgeted them to be. That's always good. It's not good if it's over. It's good if it's, if it's under. And uh, it's, uh, we really want our next hire uh, to be a great uh, young intern uh, to help out with the singles, perhaps, and then also help Todd and Tanya out with the youth and family ministry. Because I know Todd is like super cool looking and all that stuff, but a 49-year-old man on on the high school campus ain't gonna work. So we want to keep praying for that. Uh, pray for somebody really awesome. And uh, I think that, uh, thanks be to God that we have really the funds to be able to do that. I want to say this, though, uh, in terms of the contribution, although we're doing well, and I really want to commend our group, as Justin talked about also, uh, that um, I really appreciate the sacrifices of our brothers and sisters throughout the years. I mean, so many years. We hit our contribution this year in terms of the mission supports we gave to Middle East and uh, Latin America as well. And I know a lot of you guys sacrificed a lot. Uh, talking to, um, uh, you know, Richard Thompson, who's, who's on our uh, CFAC, which is kind of like a little group. And uh, so many of you as well just sacrificed even the REACH uh, conference that we had this past year. Some of you guys sacrificed that in order to give to the special. And I know a lot of people gave a lot. I want to encourage you uh, and I want to thank you for that as well. And Nicole just came back from a trip to Kenya our contribution, I know we don't see it sometimes, it makes a huge difference to many, many people around the world. And I think a lot of just the gratitude we'll get will be in the life to come. And really, uh, I think God is uh, pleased with that. I want to encourage those also that are, you know, thinking about their contribution and their sacrifice. Talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it with your family. Uh, I think it is a gift that God has given us to be able to give. And uh, Paul talks about that, the privilege of sharing in this contribution. I think it is something that we constantly stretch our hearts, stretch our faith, that, uh, you know, he gives us this opportunity to do that. And I want to commend uh, so many of us uh, in this room. Now, we start off the year, as uh, Justin mentioned, with the campaign stuff. We started off the year kind of piggybacking on the uh, campaigns that are going on. Uh, with the presidential election. And our year was nominated, uh, as we got together, we talked about just making it the year of Jesus. And that we're going to really put so much of our thoughts and our efforts uh, into learning about Jesus. We kind of took a break from that in the last few weeks, uh, because we also started the, a series called Man of the Morning. And uh, we're going to be talking about that uh, as well. Okay? All right, you see the sign for Rio... Uh, it's winding down so fast, huh? It's been two weeks already. And uh, sure enough, Americans are tallying up the gold and uh, the, uh, 
the silver, the bronze, and, and the arrest warrants as well. Uh, we're, 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 we're cranking. We're cranking it up. But I want to share a little something uh, about uh, one of our sisters here that, uh, although she didn't make it to the Olympics, but she was pretty uh, awesome. Uh, speaking of UCLA, she was uh, a gymnast for UCLA. And in the spirit of Rio, I want to just uh, play this a little bit. And this is um, Karina Marrow back then, uh, but now it's Karina Thompson. Amen? And uh, I want to just kind of show off her ministry a little bit. Uh, she was, uh, at the, if you look at the bottom there, it says, uh, it says senior Karima Marrow scored a 39.6 uh, in the all-around, breaking the UCLA record by point. One, three, I don't know what that means, but it's, it's a record, okay? In route to winning her second West Coast Regional All-Around title. And I went back and I dug up this old footage. Not, not that old, not that old, just footage, okay? I mean, yesterday's old, right? So, I don't want to mess with Korean mode. All right, here we go. You guys ready? All right. Like a pretty poise there, Karima. Watch her explode into the air. I went back. Two back hands for the into the <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, Karima, way to go. Uh, so when I saw that, my first thought was, poor Richard, man, he's got no chance. <laughs> Karima runs around him in Run House there. Karima, take it easy on your husband. But uh, Karima, uh, we are grateful that you are here with us, worshiping with us, regular folks, and uh, we have so much talent uh, in this room. As I said before, you know, uh, before uh, these last few weeks, you know, with Todd coming in, uh, I want to give Todd a chance to just do a little free reign. When you go into a ministry, you got a lot of stuff on your heart, you know, as you take a look at the ministry, as you get a feel for it. So we haven't stuck to any titles in the last couple of months, because, you know, one Todd, preach the word. Whatever you see, meet the needs. And I feel like Todd has done a great, great job. I was telling my wife the other day, I said, you know what, we have such a great team. Uh, You know, at least one of us is tar, dark, and handsome. (laughs) Man in the morning. Everything we do, um, everything we do, we want to base on Scripture, right? As we get older, we've heard a lot of things in life. Like, we're like, okay, that's a great opinion. That's a pretty good experience. Great thoughts, you know, awesome. But at the end of the day, for me, if I'm going to give up my life for something, okay, this life that God has given me, you know, less and less in terms of the years, going to kind of be peeling away here. I want to give it to something that I really believe comes from God. And I really think that that's what we want in this room as well. That we want to be connected with God. We want to have a relationship with God where we feel God working personally in our lives. It's terrible to belong to something that you feel like, man, this is man-made. Or, oh my gosh, you know, is, is, is that his opinion? I mean, or what? I've learned over the years that to do something from the heart ultimately has to come from our relationship with God. So we started this Quiet Time series. We call it Quiet Time series. It means that the daily devotionals that we have as Christians in our connection with God. It's called Man in the Morning. 
and a lot of us are reading through it. And you don't have to read it in a year. It's a lot of stuff. But as long as we're on track, as long as we're getting back to it and fighting for it and reading and getting to know who God is, not just pithy little things we see in football games, one-liners, but really getting to know God. You know, Chris and Jenny are getting married next week. Amen? So I know two weeks ago when I came up and I was about to preach, you know, Chris says, Ken, don't say anything stupid. So Chris, you got another week left before you get married. Don't say anything stupid. All right? Um, so good advice. It's <laughs> really good advice. Lena and I have been married. We're coming up on tw- 25th year. And I remember when I first got married, the guy who kind of counseled us says, Ken, you're not going to know your wife for at least 10 years. You're not going to even know. You're going to figure out some things about her, but it's going to take you at least 10 years. That's why technically the first two years of your marriage is called the newlywed stage. You're technically newlyweds for two years. I've been married with my wife for going on 25 years. I still don't really know my wife that well. She still does things. I go, oh my gosh, where did that come from? It's been pretty amazing. It's been pretty amazing. Okay. And in the same way, it's, it's that way with God as well. We live in a quick fix world, not just this generation, but many generations. We want things quickly. But a relationship takes time. It takes work. It takes ups. It takes down. It takes, it takes a lot of effort to keep that fire going. Believe you me. You know, I, I, uh, I always joke around with Lena. You know, I'm not the most romantic guy in the world. I'm not. So when I saw, when we went to see, uh, Luz, uh, was it Buzz Lightyear? Remember Buzz Lightyear? Uh, he has a Spanish mode in the back. That, you know, when you flip the switch, he speaks Spanish, and he becomes like this really debonair kind of guy. I wish I had that switch. I, I, you know, I, I, I swear to you, sometimes when I'm, I'm sleeping, I, I feel Lena's hand in my back looking for that switch. It ain't, it ain't there. It ain't there. It ain't there. You know, it ain't there. But you know what? I, I, have other, I have other strengths. I have other strengths. My, uh, my FICO score is pretty high. You know, I mean, that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's, that's about it. You know. Um, but it takes work. It takes a lot of work to build relationship. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The title of our lesson is called... Uh, oh, let's, let's go take a look at it. It says, you know, Deuteronomy says, this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And we read this a couple weeks ago. And this is something that I feel like has got to be beaten into our brains, individually and collectively. That God says, listen, man, I love you. You are valuable to me. You are incredibly flawed, but I know that and I still love you. And I really think that the people that can figure this out has solved a major piece of puzzle in their lives. That if we can just figure and believe in God, sometimes we just don't believe God. God's like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But it's so hard for us. So we run after this. We run after that. That's why the first commandment, right, is don't put up any idols. I'm I'm God. Right? Right? Because that's our tendency. Our tendency is to find substitute, to fill that void that God says, I really want to be really filling that void for you. 
So we're going to read a little bit later on because throughout church history, people have really figured that they, 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 they miss, you know, uh, interpreted the Old Testament. They say that, you know, the Old Testament is about the law. And that's why it's so dangerous even sometimes to preach and, and to, to, to summarize really these grand concepts into little things like temple model versus grace model. It's, I think it's good, but sometimes it's dangerous because you miss out. Because you're saying that the temple model is all these rules, but that's not true. When you look at Deuteronomy, the Bible says what? You, these are words of affirmation. They're not words of law. They're not words of, there are 613 laws, but that's not a law. That's, that's, that's an expression of God's love for us. And I think we got to latch on to that. You know, we need to be a people that are just feeling just this incredible, you know, when you're in love, I mean, it's just, it's just a great feeling. You know, I love watching people who are in love. You know, just kind of like the way they think cracks me up. You know, what they say, they would otherwise say if they were in their sane mind, right? I mean, they're just like out of it and, and you give them, you know, uh, some, some slack. But they're in love. It's the same way in our relationship with God. When we feel this, it doesn't matter if, you know, the, the, the projector didn't work for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter that, you know, whatever didn't, it, it's, it's just everything is good. I'm all right. I'm all right. So this is what God said to the people, the Israelites, this nation that he was trying to form. He says, listen, you're special to me. Out of all the peoples in the world, I'm going to use you. And don't get me wrong, it's not just like, hey, look, this little relationship. But God says, I'm going to need you to spread the word. But from there to building this great community, community it takes a lot of work. And the title of our lesson today is simply entitled, The Nitty Gritty of Building Community. It takes work, right? So that love stage that we have... I don't know what, uh, you know, maybe Todd knows this, but, you know, psychologist says it really, it's a phase. And then reality sets it. And then that, you know, you're so used to living by yourself and, you know, not bothering. And then you got somebody right next to you. Oh, my gosh. You're used to just bolting out the door by yourself and going out, but you got to wait for someone or they have to wait for you. It, it, it's, it's a lot of work. Nicole just moved back from... Um, San Diego for the summer, right? She was in a dorm, nice little dorm by herself, did whatever she wanted. So she's been with us for about a month and a half now. And she says, Dad, it's kind of stressful in our house. I'm like, why? There's people here. It's people, you know? And now you have people. You have different schedules that you got to mesh. It takes work. It takes work. That's why I'll be honest with you. I, I love that concept of being a monk. I do going up to the mountain somewhere, looking at pretty sights all day, you know, chanting away, you know. Hey, that's good for me. I mean, that's attractive to me. But I would have some visits from Lena, obviously. <laughs> you know, I would go down the hill probably, you know, every night. Hey, where are you going, Friar Ken? I'll be right back tomorrow. You know, but I would love that. I'd love that concept of just leave me alone. I love that. But we don't have that luxury, right? The nitty-gritty of building community. Number one, it takes accountability. It's a, it's a dirty word, the A word. It takes accountability. It really does. After the first year of coming out of Egypt, literally, while the dust settles, right? 
They needed to organize themselves. There needs to be organization. There needs to be accountability. I know a lot of times we don't like it. We don't like, oh man, religion should be free. Love, you know, we can, we can eat, you know, love. You know, but love, it's more people as well. And it takes organization. It takes work to put the stage together. It takes work to watch the kids. It takes work to, you know, set up the sound and make sure that, you know, that so frustrating, you know, that little word fit into that little thing. And it's just right. It takes, it takes work to make those adjustments. Okay. The Lord spoke to Moses in a tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the year, second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He says, take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and their families, listing every man by name, one by one. They estimated that uh, there were about three million people. They're in this desert, and yet they knew each person name by name, one by one. That's pretty impressive to me. So, there was nobody missing. Everybody was accounted for. And they wanted to make sure that each person felt accountable and that each person was accounted for. So, we look at that today, even in our group community, and we see, hey, look, it does make a difference when we're not together. It does. It makes a huge difference. So, if they did it back then, and there's a whole book called the Book of Numbers where they tabulated things and whether these things, these numbers were important to them, it is important for us as well. Amen? So that when we do church stuff, when there is the minutia of church stuff, I know it's tedious sometimes, but let's work on it together. I want to start taking accountability on people that are visiting with us in terms of like, hey, look, they're here for a reason. I don't want them just to come and leave without even us knowing who they are. We need to really, let's do like gracious qualitative accountability. But we need to know. We need to know who's coming. We need to know who's... We need to know who's studying the Bible with us. Who wants to study the Scriptures? We had a meeting this morning planning the Harvest Festival for this October. And we talked about how last year we had about 500 people, you know, that came out to a Harvest Festival out in the park here. It was great. But what happened to all the people afterwards? You know, did we keep in communication? Did we build relationship with these folks where they just uh, vanished back into... Uh, thin air. There are a couple things. The Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to send away from the camp. And this is like community stuff. He says, listen, when anyone who has a defiling skin disease or a discharge, you know, you're talking about 4,000 years ago, you know, 3,000 you know, 4, years ago, pretty much, right? And he says, who is ceremonially unclean because of the dead body, send them away, male and female alike, Send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camp where I dwell among them. There was a group responsibility together. They realized that what they did affected one another and infected one another as well. You know, I love, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, but, you know, we had Gabby while we were a little bit older now. Gabby's four years old. It's, I always get tripped out when we give Gabby a glass of milk or something like that. She's, she, you know, she holds it in her hand, but she doesn't have that cognizance, you know, a, a sense of, of, of spatial, you know, things in her hand. So she's talking, and it's like, it's just all over the place. It's like dripping here. I'm like, catching and stuff like that. It's, she hasn't developed that yet to where she can focus on two things at the same time. She's so excited about her new dress. You know, it's like, oh, I love it, Dad. And, you know, it's like milk spilling all over the place. You know, it's like, it's an awareness that God wants us to have. 
That if we know that we're really important, we're not just an insignificant person in this room. We make a difference to each other. Whether it's good or bad, we make a difference. And I think we need to really, uh, really inculcate that into our fellowship even more. Whether we come, our, our demeanor, our spirit makes a huge difference. You know, I, I learned that in my own family, you know, and, and my kids sort of said, Dad, sometimes you're just stressed out. And it just brings everybody down. Which makes me more stressed out, you know. <laughs> you know it's like, it's just, okay, all right, I get it. So, you know, we, we work on those things. We listen and we go, all right, I don't like to hear that, but, you know, that's, that's good. Thank you for telling me. Okay? Number two in this accountability. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way is so unfaithful, uh, so is unfaithful to the Lord, is guilty and must confess the sins, uh, the sin they have committed. Taking responsibility. Taking responsibility. I want to look at a couple of things here that is pertinent in our modern age today. But that's huge. Learning how to take responsibility for ourselves. You know, when the girls were growing up, um, it was good. It was good. We, you know, as parents, we, we try to teach our kids, right? Like when we make a mistake, we let them know, hey, look, honey, I, I think one of the most important things that parents can do to their children is take responsibility and teach them how to take responsibility. Because I've seen people where everything is their fault. Not everything is their fault. Everything is their fault, but really nothing is their fault. Because if everything is your fault, it's not really true. And I've also seen people on the other extreme too where it's like nothing is their fault. It's really frustrating, right? It's like there's this guilty person all the time and it's like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. And it's like they're trying to spend all this time trying to figure out, oh my gosh, you know. And this person's like, it's like they're like the Teflon, speaking of president, they're like the Teflon Christian. You know, it's like everything just falls off. Nothing sticks. And one thing that we try to teach our kids is that that was my, that was dad's fault. I got angry for apparently no reason. Okay? And there was, I thought about it. She, there, yep, there was no reason. Dad just kind of blew off and went off the handle all by himself. It was important because I want the kids to know that, hey, look, that was me, but you got to learn what's yours too. I think that's maturity to try to figure out not everything is your fault, but there are some things that I played a role in. And I think that's how we get along with one another. That's how we build quality relationships. Isn't it true? When somebody comes up to you and they make a mistake and it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And when they admit it, the grace thing kicks in your heart. Don't worry about it. I, maybe it's just me. You guys are like, what is he talking about? I know that when people, when I see things, it's like so obvious that it's their fault. But it's like they're always blaming somebody else. I go on a war path. I do. That, that's when, that's when, you ever seen that movie, the Batman movie? where, you know, he's in the Batmobile and he senses danger and all this ka-ching, 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 that comes on and, it, you know, all the armor comes on. That's like me. When I feel that's, mm, it, it's, it's a war path. This scripture teaches the Israelites, let's be humble. Let's be accountable to ourselves first. Let's watch out for ourselves. We live in a really interesting society right now. Really interesting. Time Magazine came up with something this past week. It's called, it's, it's by Joel Stein, 
is why we're losing the internet culture to a culture of hate. And he talks about the lack of accountability in people when they go online and these chat rooms where they can espouse all these crazy things. And he talks about the trolls. He talks about 8chan, 4chan. And he talks about, you know, these different websites that you can go in anonymity, you can say really crazy things and get away with it. Okay. It says that it would be smarter to be cautious because the Internet's personality has changed. He's talking about how it started off as something that was really cool. In 1969, I think at UCLA, where the first email was sent. And it's become something, it's morphed into something a little bit evil. And I'm not one to say technology is evil. I'm not, hopefully I'm, I'm not going there. It's great. It's, it's, it allows us to do some pretty amazing things. I'm still waiting every month to send my, my check to Waze. Yeah, I really appreciate them. I mean, they save me a lot of time. But he says that now, the, the middle part says, if you need help improving your upload speeds, the web is eager to help with technical details, the good stuff. But if you tell it that you're struggling with depression, it will try to goad you into killing yourself. It's true. There's some pretty evil stuff out there. Psychologists calls, call this the online uh, disinhibition effect in which factors like anonymity, invisibility, a lack of authority, and not communicating in real time strip away the more society has spent millennia building. He's saying that we spend years and cultures trying to inculcate face-to-face relationship, taking responsibility, talking about it, and it's stripped away by technology that you can just throw stuff out there and just, there it is. And that's it. This past week I had something really interesting. Somebody got mad at me for some reason. Texted me. I gave him my number. Texted me. I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. that I, did, did I miss your I'm so sorry. I checked my log. I didn't see any calls. I called him back. Didn't answer. But I get the text back. I'm like, that is really weird. I know you're there. You just texted me. So I called him with my other phone. Still, it's, it was just disappointing. It is. When I suggested, he's talking about this troll, Joe Stein. He's talking about this person that's been trolling him. Everything he did, you know, since this person goes online, he actually had a chance to meet this person at a party. He knew that she was there. When I suggested that we order wine, so they, he invited her out for dinner. He goes, when I suggested we ordered wine, she told me she's recently recovered. Uh, she's a recently recovered alcoholic who was drunk at the restaurant opening when she threatened to beat me up. I asked why she didn't actually walk up to me that afternoon and even if she didn't punch me, at least tell me off face to face. And this is her response. She looked at me like I was an idiot. Why would I do that? She said. The internet is the realm of the coward. These are people who are all sound and no fury. No accountability. And it allows for this culture of people spewing out stuff, saying stuff that they would otherwise do face to face. And I know we're sitting in here going, you know what? I'm not like that. I'm not on 4chan. I'm not on 8chan. I'm not on 8chan. You know, I don't know what that is. But I tell you this that we are influenced by our society whether we like it or not. And there's a comparison going on that says, I'm not like that, 
But if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, it will make us a little bit like that. So that's why God was so adamant to the Israelites, you are not to be like these guys surrounding you. Is that a dog? (laughs) Is that somebody who had his cough? That was really bad. Third John, this is, you know, like these people, you know, like they're so unsophisticated, the Bible is so unsophisticated, right? 2,000 years ago, what do they know? This is the Apostle John as he wrote a letter back to the people. He says, I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with a stylus and a note and a uh, iPad. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. There's a yearning for relationship. There's a yearning to say, you know what, enough of this. Let's sit down together. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk. Let's clear things out. That's courage. That's love. Amen? Let's do that for one another. Let's not, let's not, let's not keep anything inside. If we have something, let's, let's present it in a way with humility, taking responsibility for our own self. Let's bring it out. Let's build some great relationships, even better than what we have. Amen? Better than what we have. Justin, you're going to be proud when you come back. Number two, leadership. Okay? Leadership. Leadership has become somewhat of a bad word in some ways, right? You know, even with our election today, you know, down with the establishment, down to it. Yes, people make mistakes. You know, Hillary Clinton, you know, like she's got all kinds of dirt. I mean, she, that, that woman's got more baggage than, than Delta Airlines. I mean, I, mean, this, I mean, she's been in politics for a long, long time. Okay, when you're being under the microscope like that, and, you know, Trump comes in, he has no baggage in some ways, politically speaking. So, you know, I mean, baggage, we all have it, right? That shouldn't stop us from repenting and growing. Moses said to the Lord, says, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses had baggage. He lost his temper. He spent 40 years in the desert. He's, he's, at, the, he's at the precipice of, of, of entering the promised land. God says, I am so sorry, Moses. Can you go? There are consequences for what we do. But I appreciate Moses and that he accepts it. He says, okay, fine, I can't go in. God, but I tell you what, we need leadership here. And point one, accountability, and point two is related because in this day and age, there's a lot of people that don't want, in, don't want to go into leadership. Why? Why put up with the garbage? Why put up with, you know, like this and that? Why put up with the anonymity, the people just critiquing you and then just all the time, right? There is a need for leadership, people to step up. There is a need for us to reinvent ourselves and want to lead other people. And Moses says, look, God, prepare somebody to step up. We really need that in so many areas in our church. As we get older, as we get bigger, prayerfully, as we get more involved in the community, we need more people to step up. And this is what God told Joshua as he stood up. Be strong and be very courageous. There is a temptation to step back. There is a temptation not to put it on the line, but be strong and be courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. 
do not turn from it to the left or to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. We don't need less relationship with God. We actually need more relationship with God. And as a matter of fact, mediocre relationship with God does more harm than no relationship with God. We need more relationship with God. God says, Joshua, if you want to be successful, if you want all the things that you read in Scripture, all the promises that I gave you, I need you to be strong and courageous. I need you not to turn from the right to the left. I need you to go steadfast, obey everything that I've given you. It's going to work. It's going to work. After this, we will have a series starting in September. And the title of our series is going to be Elephants in the Room. And we're going to tackle... I'm excited about it. We're going to tackle some of the things that are in our midst, that, that is going on, that sometimes it seems like we're oblivious to. We're not. We're just trying to figure out how to address it as a people. You know, issues like racism, issues like the political rancor that's going on, issues like same-sex marriage. I want to tackle some of these things. Better to look at it from a biblical perspective and really be filled with God's Word in respect to those things then let the world fill in the answers for us. Don't you think? So let's have the courage to really look through it as well. So number one, accountability. We need to be accountable to one another, and we need to be accountable to ourselves. Number two, we need to rise up and lead. Well, what does that mean? Go out and, you know, in, in the middle of Times Square? And, no, lead another person. Set an example for another person. Leadership. Number three, as we close on out, love. Love. As I said before, there's been historically Luther and these great theologians, they went through their issues, right, with the church, and they got sick of it. And so they put out all these theses, you know, what it was, 96 or whatever, how many theses it was against the indulgences of just the corrupt church life that existed in his life. And he overreacted to it and go, you know what, eh, you know, let's stay away from that. And it's all justification by faith. And it went from one extreme to another where, you know, we don't have to do anything. All we have to do is just to feel the love and we're good enough and, and just have faith. But that was really not what Paul talked about. If we read our scripture, we see that Paul says that, hey, look, if we really are disciples, uh, the, the, the works actually is evidence from faith. If we really do have faith, it is self-evidence that we have faith. There's a book that was written recently. It's called Paul Was Not a Christian. And, you know, a lot of these authors, these biblical authors, they want to be edgy, right? So they'll always pick titles that are like, what? Paul was not a Christian? What she's saying is, it's not this dichotomy. Paul threw away his background. It wasn't like that at all. We don't throw away the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written for us. It's not written for us. It's, it's, It's not written to us, but it's written for us to learn from and she tries to go back and debunk some of the things that we've accepted, this dichotomy of belief, whether it's works or just belief and just sit around. And she says, it's not like that at all. True faith entails action. True, tale, true faith entails obedience. True, true faith entails really a relationship with God. And some of us were thinking, you know, wow, what does that mean in my relationship with God? Good. We should be thinking about it because the Bible says we need to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not everybody is just who professes Christianity is going to make it. I hope we're not that naive. Judaism, and from the book, it says, hardly appears as 
the legalistic system of works righteousness that Christian scholars had for so long assumed it to be. On the contrary, grace plays a critical role in a Jewish concept of God and God's relationship to Israel, God's chosen people. This is such a powerful line because over the millenniums, people have done great harms to Jewish people because of what they believed. And I think we really need to understand deeper from a biblical sense to be a deeper people in understanding God's word that God has always been gracious. God has always tried to teach us to love him and to love one another. We're back to Deuteronomy. So we started off in the second year of their exile. I'm sorry, of their escape from Egypt. As we close on out, we're going to look at the 40th year as they get ready to go into the promised land. It says, On the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Shihon and all these different kings. It was work, right? Work! And God says, Moses, I need you to preach the word. I need you to tell them again. Deuteronomy is the repetition of the law. Rephrasing of the law as they were getting, in, uh, getting ready to go into this promised land. There wasn't a cessation. It wasn't done. It wasn't like, it's good. We're in the promised land. God says, that's where the preaching begins to shape this people, to help them to become what God wanted them to become, to help them to become what they can become. And in Deuteronomy 6, this is the summation of the law of Moses, the Torah, the Pentateuch. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts. It's got to be number one. There's not even a close second. There's no competing things in our hearts. With all your hearts, with all your soul, with all your strength, these commands I give you today are to be on our hearts. Isn't that great? As they were getting ready to go in, God says, I need you to be a heartsy people. We don't have time to go there, but Paul wrote the same thing later on. But in this passage, he says, Let no debt remain outstanding, except for the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. You know, one of the great things of being a disciple is that we get to start anew a lot. We get to take responsibility and God forgives us. We get to sit down with one another and talk to one another and work through our relationship. We let no debt outstanding, no, no hatred outstanding, no bitterness outstanding. And we sit down and in humility and all those things together, we as a people fulfill God's law. Let's go out this week. Let's think about our lives with God. How do we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? How do we love one another as ourselves? Let's, let's, let's break through. Let's, let's get uncomfortable this week. Let's look at our schedule and let's say, yeah, I want to get uncomfortable. Let's look at our finance. I want to be uncomfortable in, in, my, in my thinking, in my faith, and in my life. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you that we have your word. Just as the people of Israel, they had your word, God. They're not just a wandering people that were not loved, were not cared for, but they were cared for and loved by you. Help us to really understand that, God. 
and help us to be motivated by that truly and uh, be able to reinvent and, and rewrite who we are to, to conform more and more uh, like your son, Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.